0: It's once in a lifetime thing to be able to work with animals from as small as a bird to as big as an elephant. Just the support, the experiences, and it's it's something different. It's it's not like everyday school. So every day is different here.
1: Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the PASS Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, I'm excited to talk with great innovators in the transformative education space. Today, we are going to be talking about zoo schools as positive disruptors and how we think about the concept of what is school and why does it matter. Joining us today is Chris Edelin, Ricky Kinley, Trine Schill and um, Nair Dun north from the Cincinnati Zoo Academy and Hughes STEM High School and other places because some of these folks have gone on to do really incredible things. And so um, to all of you, welcome to Learning Unboxed.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Absolutely. So let's set just a little bit of context for our listeners as we get started. Um, So joining us again is um, Chris Elin, um, who is an eight-year career tech teacher at Cincinnati Public Schools Hughes STEM School. But he's also worked as a zookeeper at the Cincinnati Zoo for 21 years um, before I think it is coming to the STEM school. Um, So uh, Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So also joining us, we have Trinae Schill, um, who is a Zoo Academy alumni from 2018 um, and a UC graduate in the spring of 2022. So first and foremost, uh, Trinae, hey, congrats on that. That's a big deal. She got a bachelor's degree in horticultural science. So uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Absolutely. And last but absolutely not not least, um, we also have joining us Nair Dunorth, um, who attends the zoo academy currently. Um, He is a senior uh, this year. He's also a basketball player. He loves animals in general and enjoys working um, in the Africa and elephant exhibits, I believe, the most and ultimately hopes to find himself, um, get a job at the zoo in the near future. So, Nair, welcome to the program.
0: Thanks for having me. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. So first and foremost, um, I want to start our conversation, um, Chris, with a big sort of overview of exactly what the, 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 the Zoo Academy is. Because one of the things that's really interesting for our, our listeners is the Cincinnati Zoo Academy, in some form or another, predates the Hughes STEM High School, because Ricky is a product of this program way before that we were talking about STEM schools. So, uh, Chris, can you give us kind of an overview of sort of the origin story, I guess, of the program itself? Sure.
2: Uh, Well, back in 1975, uh, the then education director of the zoo, Barry Wakeman, uh, got together with uh, some of the... uh, officials at Cincinnati Public Schools and wanted to have a program uh, that would help uh, kind of a vocational program for people that had wanted careers in animal care, specifically uh, in careers in zoos. Uh, And so that is basically how the program started. Um, I think at the time it was originally based out of of a different high school, but any area high school student at that time uh, could apply to Zoo Academy and uh, be accepted. And even today, um, as long as you are a resident of Ohio, uh, you can apply through open enrollment to come to uh, the zoo academy. Several years ago, we actually had a student that moved from Michigan uh, in order to attend the school. Uh, So we've been going strong since 1975. Uh, We're getting ready to celebrate our 50th graduating class uh, in the next couple of years so it's just really exciting time uh, to be here at the zoo academy
1: so as you sort of think about, one of the things about these types of programs, whether they be a zoo school or special science schools or, you know, any of those sort of other opportunities that are out there across the education landscape, one of the things that's always interesting to me is how students make the choice that I want to do this thing versus that thing. So, um, Trine, why don't you share with us a little bit about, first and foremost, um, what, what, what you're a graduate of Hughes as well, correct? Yes. You are a graduate of Hughes. So let's start with that because this is the first opportunity we've had to sort of link the the Hughes piece in. And, you know, at some point, you know, Chris, as, as one of the instructors in that, might have something to add to that. But first and foremost, tell our listeners, what is, what is Hughes STEM High School? What is this thing? Outside of just the obvious from its name, but, but really, what makes it special? Why did you choose to go there from all the options you had in Cincinnati? So I
3: wanted to go to Hughes for the zoo academy program but you don't get to select your pathway until your junior year so we have four pathways to choose from um zoo academy health and science engineering and it so i started off in ninth grade and pretty much you kind of take classes that allow you to figure out which pathway would be the best for you, and then present to the pathway to get accepted in. So, I knew I wanted to go to the zoo academy when I was in eighth grade. (laughs) Uh, So, I almost didn't get into Hughes, and luckily I knew people who were in the office, and I did several tours throughout the summer, and that was my foot into the building. So then once I was there, um, I took a lot of AP courses, which kind of helped once I transitioned into the program because it's more zoo specific compared to the other pathways that we have throughout Hughes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's super, super exciting. And I love the fact that you went to the school because it was the foot into this pathway that you were so interested in. I, I really love that aspect of it. So um, we will... um kind of dig into that a little bit more about what your experience was. But I want to toss the same question um, to Nair. So what what drew you into the opportunity? So you you go to Hughes. Why, do you, why did you choose that? Was it for this program as well or were there other factors for you?
0: Um, so yeah, it was sort of kind of the same. So I uh, started going to Hughes for the zoo academy. Um, I heard about it. I was, it was my seventh grade year, my first year at youth. And they were telling us about the pathways and explaining them to us. And, um, none of them really stood out except the zoo academy. So, um, once I figured out that I knew that was what I wanted to do, um, much like Ternay, we started taking AP classes and they started sort of kind of prepping us. And then, um, my sophomore year, they let us pick our pathway. And I chose the Zoo Academy. So um, the Zoo Academy was a big part of me going to Heroes. Hmm.
1: I really I mean I do love that both of you that was a a thing that just so drew you into the space um because you know oftentimes kids really struggle to sort of figure out the bigger broader ecosystem opportunity and so I love the fact that both of you sort of gravitated towards that as a component of choosing the high school experience you have because the other thing that I love about what both of you said is that you you had an opportunity to sort of chart your own course. And this whole conversation um, globally around student agency or autonomy, the two of you lived that um, or are living that in the experiences that you had by by opting in and kind of owning your own high school experience. And so bravo for saying I'm going to put my own stake in the ground and and make some of that about me because that's super, super awesome for your future. So I think we might finally have Ricky back. So, Ricky, let's try again. Can you tell us sort of what it was that got you to want to be part of this program and ultimately be a graduate of the program back in 1994? Because you didn't go through the mechanism that is the STEM Hughes High School. It didn't even exist for you um, way back when. So, how did you find this program?
4: So, the thing that drew me to it is very simply, uh, I. Loved animals, was fascinated by animals. Um, I actually lived in Loveland for a while, which is kind of the outskirts of Cincinnati. It was a little more of a rural area. And I had to move back into the city to go to the zoo academy. It was called Zoo School back then. Um, I remember doing an interview with uh, Mrs. Lanham, who was the teacher. the head teacher at the time, and uh, she had a standard poodle in the classroom as I came in for the interview. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool. And it was at the zoo. and um, So just, just love animals. You know, you, you didn't think as a kid you get to go to school at a zoo. Um, and for someone like me to love animals, it was pretty exciting. Um, I will say another thing. Um, it was very influential to my life because it uh, opened up a lot of pathways to just my future career, right? So at a very young age. I got a lot of hands-on experience for uh, working with animals in a professional setting, and working with like you know the top professionals of the world. The Cincinnati Zoo is one of is a world-class zoo. We're one of the top uh, zoos in the world. The Cincinnati Zoo is also like a little city here. We have a marketing department. We have a horticulture department. We have a maintenance department. I mean, and you know, as a teenager. I didn't recognize how much things I was learning and being exposed to that later contributed to just me understanding just the world, working as, as I be- became an adult, like learning to navigate, you know, just my work environment, interacting with people, seeing other people learn to interact with people, accomplish things together. Um, and I got a full head start by probably 10 years of my career path over most people who end up working in a zoo. And so that was quite significant, you know,
1: starting when I was 16, so. That yeah. is just amazing. And it, <laughs> and it's not easy. Lots of folks are like, oh, it would be so cool to work in a zoo. And I've talked to many folks in this space. And it's actually not easy to really do that, right? There's a lot of competition you've got to have the right credentials and the right degree and the right experience to be brought on, especially if you really want to work directly with the animals that it's, it's tough. It's not easy. Yeah.
4: Yeah, You think about it, like there's maybe one zoo per major city and it's similar to sports teams, right? So maybe one major, major league baseball team per city, And so everyone that wants to go play baseball, you got to try to, you know, it's same as like being at a zoo. It's not a whole lot of options for working at a zoo. And so there are a lot of people that want to work at a zoo. And so it is quite competitive. Um, And it's a lot of hard work. You're correct. You're keeping animals alive and sometimes dealing with animals that no one knows anything about. And you're oftentimes a groundbreaker when it comes to learning how to take care of these animals. And, about their life and teaching people about them. So that makes it really exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Chris, share with us a little bit then about sort of the Hughes perspective on this pathway. So, you know, it's interesting because Hughes could have chosen any number of things. There is so much that's happening in the Cincinnati region. And there are so many career opportunities and in-demand jobs that are available across the ecosystem. So as an institution, sort of from your your mind and your perspective, um, and given the fact that there's not a tremendous number of jobs, tremendous amount of opportunity, and here's where I, I suspect you're going to go. But why why would Hughes, Hughes choose this as one of their four pathways?
2: Uh, again, I think it's because we're one of the older career tech programs here mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. We're pretty well established. And the way Cincinnati Public Schools works is that Uh, each high school offers their own unique set of pathways. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so any student in any of the CPS programs can choose to go to a particular high school. So they make that choice to go to a high school. Uh, I think the reason we are part of Hughes is that even though we are on zoo grounds, uh, and our students are here all throughout the school year, every single day they report to the zoo, um, Hughes is actually the, the closest school to us. Uh, and so, okay, uh,
1: geographically. So
2: geographically, it just makes yeah. a lot of sense mm-hmm. uh, to have this program uh, based out of Hughes. And it makes it easier for students that are interested in the program uh, to be able to come and shadow some of our students mm-hmm. to make sure, yeah, this is something that uh, I would like to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, and that makes sense. Um, I love the fact that it's so immersive and that, you know, the kids don't go, they don't go when, once they're in, they don't go to Hughes, they don't start their day at Hughes, right? It's very, very different. So, Nair, I see you shaking your head. You're like, yeah. Um, and so you're in the program right now and you want to be the next Ricky. I suspect. You're like, I want that job based on the bio that you sent over. So one of my questions to you is, so as a senior and getting ready to graduate and move on to, um, I assume, a- on a post-secondary um, opportunity so that you can, in fact, find yourself um, fully on that pathway. What What is the standout experience that you had in this two year this is an early college program as well um so tell what 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 stands out for you as you get ready to start your undergraduate experience what 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 do you take away from this
0: i really feel like uh more so just the support system that you build here we got we have a great group of teachers every lab that you have working in the animal areas they're relatively friendly they're relatively helpful they they'll help you anywhere they can, everywhere they can. So um, the support system you build, um, definitely the experiences you get is once-in-a-lifetime thing to be able to work with animals from as small as a bird to as big as an elephant. Just the support, the experiences, and it's, it's something different. It's, it's not like everyday school. So everyday is different here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, every day is definitely different sure. at the zoo. I have no doubt. <laughs> I love that actually. Um, so, Trine, I'm also curious from you um, because you're you're further out um, in your journey. So, how did your experience in the Zoo Academy? prepare you for your undergraduate journey. You've just completed that journey. So so what did, what from this program, you know, would be the sort of highlight experiences that you feel like you gained um, and you had an advantage when you started your undergraduate work?
3: So I feel like the advantages would be the fact that it's a college prep program as well. So four of my classes that I took while I was at the zoo academy directly applied to my major. Um, So that eliminated four classes immediately for me. Uh, So when I started off at UC, I was in exploratory arts and sciences and later transferred into DAP horticulture within urban planning. So with that kind of gap of the four classes, It gave me leeway to kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And then with me having experience from the Zoo Academy, like he was saying in um, Ricky, you're able to do maintenance, reptile house, horticulture. You're able to see every department in every area. So it really allows you to see exactly what you would like to do. So, getting that head start before going into my classes and picking out what I wanted to do, it really helped me narrow down and be like, okay, this isn't what I like, or this is what I like. And I eventually realized I did not like environmental policy. (laughs) So, that's why I got into horticulture because I like the more life sciences aspect of things. So, then once I got into horticulture, the director here for horticulture is my, well, was my professor for the past four years. So it's kind of like a stepping stone where you meet people while you're here and you can always reference back to them um, and you can always come back if you need help with
0: anything. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, that's really awesome to have that kind of support, and and um, I just just because I know our listeners are going to be super um, interested. So you've graduated. So so what are you doing now? I'm an
3: AmeriCorps member for the Cincinnati Zoo with the Horticulture Department. I work Perfect. with community outreach projects. So I go into neighborhoods, and we help plan. Um, Whether they wanted a vegetable garden, more trees for the urban landscape, more flowers, uh, garden programs, anything pretty much.
1: So it worked out. I mean, you literally were able to connect all of the dots because of the experiences that you had and the relationships that you got to build along the way. And so now your next step is right back where you wanted to be. I love that so much for you. It's
3: awesome. (laughs) So it was really funny because I left... And then when I came back, everyone was like, "Are you a Zoo Academy student?" And I was like, "Well, I just went to UC for four years, and I'm back again." Mm-hmm. So it's really funny because you really do form relationships mm-hmm. all across Zoo, and people are like, "Are you Zoo Academy?" And it's- <laughs>
1: It never goes away. (laughs) It never goes away. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay, too. So, Chris, um, so what would you like to add to what you heard Trené talking about in terms of her experience and the way she was able, quite frankly, to capitalize on those experiences as she moved
2: forward? Well, I think each one of them has kind of talked a little bit about the different experiences you get here. And so, just to clarify for people, uh, our day starts here at 8 o'clock in the morning, and On Tuesdays and Thursdays, our juniors will go out to what we call lab. Lab is the workplace experience out in the zoo. Uh, And so they are in that experience from about eight o'clock in the morning until about noon. Uh, And the way we have it arranged is that every quarter they will transition to a new uh, and different area in the zoo. So they're really in a particular area for about ten weeks, so they can really get to know the keepers there. They can really get to know the routines there, um, and it's true. I mean, they do build those relationships, and I think that's one of the most powerful things about this program is the fact that they are working in an actual business with business professionals. Some, as Ricky said, some of the highest respected, uh, you know, people in their fields, uh, and it also, but it provides that safety net. So it's an area where they can make mistakes. And more importantly, you know, they can learn from those mistakes as well. And I think that's probably one of the most valuable things that this program is that not only are you doing the work uh, that you will be doing out in the career, uh, we offer opportunities all throughout every department here at the zoo. So if you're you're not into working with animals and some kids come here and they realize it's a lot of work and they don't want to do it, uh, But they can be in, they they work in the purchasing department, they work in the education department, they work, um, they've worked in the graphics departments here at the zoo. So there, I mean, as Ricky said, you know, we are an everyday business um, and there's just much more going on at the zoo than just taking care of animals. Uh, only about 40% of the people that work at a zoo actually work with the animals directly. So the other 60% are doing things. And one of the best things I think about this program is that we're involved uh, from the bottom to the top. Uh, and some of our students even get to work with uh, directly with the curators here at the, at the zoo. So it's just providing those opportunities, giving them that safety net, uh, helping them build those contacts, build that network, get those references. Um, and build the skills that they're going to need in order to go out wherever they go uh, Mm -hmm. and be successful
1: yeah absolutely, and I love the the opportunity for the kids to be able to not just learn what they love but what they don't love, right, as Trene was pointing out i don't like I don't like this policy stuff, so I want to go do something else. There is so much value in that before you actually go into whatever is going to be next in your future to say it's not going to be this because that is not for me, so I, there is so much value in that. I appreciate it very, very much, Ricky, I'm super curious um, so what what role? do you now play in the new students that are coming through this program? So Chris is with, with Hughes. And, and, the, and, and the, the, so from that sort of school perspective, but what, what exactly is your role and how do you interact with the participants in an ongoing basis? I just want to help our listeners sort of bridge the gap here between the relationship between the school and the zoo itself.
4: Yeah, so um, I'm the head keeper of the bird department now. And this is actually where I started when I was a field student. I got a summertime job here working part-time. I could work with Chris uh, many years ago in the, in the late 90s. Um, but now, um, so part of my job is just to, I manage the department, the people in our department and the animals in our department and the students in our department. So uh, we just make sure that, the things that we have that um, they do in our area teaches them things about birds or just teaches them life skills. You know, Um, a lot of things we do is just not that fun, right? We wash dishes and, you know, hose out uh, areas where the birds live and clean up bird poop and, you know, clean up leftover food. I mean, it's all kinds of little things like that that are non-glamorous that we do. And that's also important, For them, the experience is part of the job, because if you're going to take on the job um, caring for animals, part of what you're doing is not glamorous. But then there's moments that are very glamorous, like feeding penguins. We go in and provide food to some of these animals. And our area in the bird department is kind of unique as far as a lot of the other animals in the zoo, because most of our animals aren't dangerous. So the the students get to share spaces with us. So a lot of students will like our areas because you get to share spaces and that makes it really fun. So we try to make sure to give that opportunity, you know, if they can go in with penguins and clean and feed, we let them do it. You know, they know, you know, we'll go, hey, you want to go feed penguins? And here's the bucket after we've trained them how to do it. We'll let them go do it. So they're learning some responsibility as well. And we try to offer that as much as possible. Um, Too much hand-holding can kind of stunt someone's development. But you got to do just enough to keep everyone safe so they can learn. So we try to always strike that balance. It was important for me, too. When I was a student and they said, hey, go in there and you know feed that animal, I inherently understood at that moment I was they were trusting me to be responsible to make sure that animal got fed and to keep it safe when I was sharing that space or to clean the area that the animal had to live in. And so that's
1: part of what we do in our area with speaking. Yeah, all of that real everyday practical sort of in the weeds, so to speak, or in the poop, uh, depending on the perspective in the moment, right? But super, super important. I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Nair, I, I'm super curious, um, since you're getting ready to graduate. What would you tell students thinking about this thing? Um, because that's the other piece of it, right? There are lots of places out there um, that don't have a local zoo. But I would assume that some of the things that they're hearing the four of you talk about are things that you know great educators and great communities want their students to be able to have an experience. But, you know, if you don't have a local zoo, based on the experiences that you've had there, what would you tell a teacher that they could bring into the ecosystem for their students? Because you learned a whole array of things through this program that could translate to places that weren't a zoo, so I'm I'm super curious. Um, uh, you know, what would you, what would you tell that teacher out there that was like, I love this, but we don't have a zoo, but I could incorporate some of the things that these kids learned. What what was something super important to you that you think has broad application?
0: So um, I know one thing that we were always told when we first started was that um, you know you're you're at a big high school. And, you know, you're in a class with like 40 students and then um, you come here and it's a class with maybe 15 or 20 students. So, you know, you get more one on one help. You get more group help. You see the same people every day. So you start to build the relationships with people. And, you know, it's one thing that one person might be good at that you're not as strong in. Or it's one person you're really strong in that other people aren't strong in. So we, we sort of kind of feed off of each other another thing is that like um we don't only take zoo classes so you know we got our English classes we got our math classes um we got our sciences we got our social studies all that kind of stuff so um like the history teacher from Hughes last year actually would come to the zoo Academy before Hughes started to teach us history so history was our first class last year so and then we got a uh, we had other classes like um NCCER which is like um, it teaches us about like maintenance and like tools and all the stuff that, you know, the people who are behind the scenes at the zoo, what they do and how it can incorporate into a zoo, but also out of a zoo.
1: Yeah, that's fabulous because you just provided the context for right, for whatever comes next in your 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 career and your work life, and and on, in some cases probably your personal journey as well. So that's that, that's awesome. Trine, same same question to you. Um, having gone through the program, um, so what what would you suggest to somebody who's out there thinking about? I don't have a zoo, but I really want to grab elements of the experience. So what? What, what pieces of the experience do you think could translate into a more traditional setting?
3: So that's where I think our zoo is really unique. We're a zoo, but we're also a botanical garden. So you could, you could visit or volunteer for any of the local parks or community areas around you um, to give back to your community. And also help with like tree canopy coverage, even like planting for pollinators in your own backyard to help out. So then for like teacher wise, I think kind of similar to what he was saying, um, getting more credentials that are available for students in school. So that way they have that first step kind of already accomplished prior to graduation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I'm a huge advocate for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that out loud, both of you, because it is so important. There's so many missed opportunities because adults, you know, are don't don't fully understand right what our students are capable of doing, and you're capable of doing so much if you're provided with the opportunity. And so that's why I, I have to advocate for credentials and micro credentials and all these opportunities where you can go out and learn and actually show that you're contributing back into. To something bigger than yourself, um, and I—it's rare to meet a student that doesn't rise to that. So I love that piece of this experience um, for for everybody. Um, you know, as I think about um, sort of wrapping up our conversation and recognizing that folks are sort of out in the world wondering about how I can either be part of what's going on or pull elements sort of into my own space. Similar question to you, Ricky. Um, you know, because you've 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 lived every element of this experience, right? So you've been a student in the program, you're professional in the space you're occupying, and you're a teacher. Yeah, you're all of those things. So, you know, what What? What do you suggest to that teacher who's listening to this and going, oh my God, this is so cool, but what do I do? Uh,
4: well, I'll tell you actually how I ended up at the zoo academy is one of my science teachers really recommended it for me. They knew that I really, really loved animals, and they said, "Hey, there's a school you might want to attend." <laughs> and so it came. It, it was uh, and and it was the greatest decision I ever made in my life is because of Zoo Academy. Um, so you know, from a teacher standpoint, what can they do to ha- add to the to the programs that what you're asking, or?
1: Yeah, what they, what can they pull out of what they've heard here or the experiences that this program offers, you know, into their own setting for places that don't have a zoo? How can they grab elements of what the students um, in the academy get to experience in places where that doesn't exist?
4: Yeah, I think it's just an example of uh, this is just another pathway for someone's success in life and how they could contribute. Um you know, there's people that like animals and some people like other things. And, you know, um, one of the things I learned personally from working with animals and at the zoo academy is just how I can find better ways to, manage, to interact with people as well. So a lot of the same techniques. So one of the things I do, um, I'll touch on a couple of things real quick. Um, I ended up, because of the zoo academy, I own a dog dog-relief boarding training facility as well. And actually, one of my full-time employees is a zoo academy student, a previous student. So I turned around and hired them to work for me there as well. Um, but for what a lot of what we do in zoos these days is we do a lot of animal training. But the way behavior functions uh with animals is the exact same way that it functions with people with humans, the core functions of behavior. And so um, actually, there's lots of speakers that and lots of self-help books where You can use techniques of positive reinforcement. And sometimes people don't stop and think. They'll be very, very, you know, use positive reinforcement with their dogs, but they don't stop to think about using that same technique with some of the people that they deal with that might be difficult. And so there are lots of opportunities to learn from animals and goats. There's things that I use with with, uh, with animals that I can now apply to interacting with people to have better relationships. So I think sometimes that sometimes there's all these things you can learn from animals that you don't think to learn learn, that you can you know learn to use with people
1: as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Because you're right, people don't think about that, right? Yeah, that's that, that's fabulous. Thank you so much for that. So Chris, final question to you, same sort of thing. You know, you've lived on all sides of this sort of experience, right? You've you came to the school from the zoo um and uh, so you're your interactions, I guess, across the ecosystem is pretty is pretty broad, and so what what would you say to the folks that are out there listening to this in terms of what do you think are the key takeaways that have application anywhere?
2: Um, I think for for most most application wise is you know again you, even though you work at a zoo or you work with animals you still work with people uh, and. You know, just developing soft skills in our students so that they know how to work as a team, learn how to communicate well, learn how to advocate for themselves well. Um, those are all so valuable. And again, that kind of transcends any job you're looking at, you know, whether you want to work in the zoo or whether you want to work, uh, you know, in any field. Uh, employers are always looking for people that have those good, soft skills and, you know. Coming here to zoo academy with our small class size, like Nair said, you have to be able to work and communicate with each other. Um, and then again, being able to go out into a professional uh, workplace uh, and use some of what you learn but also learn from that experience what it's like to work in a professional experience um, is just really v- invaluable for, for, for students.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Those those experiences are incredibly meaningful. Well, I want to thank all of you for taking time out of your day to uh, join us, just to share your stories and your experiences. And honestly, the love uh, for what you've all been able to do and do together uh, is really quite special. So thank you so very much for um, being with us today. I appreciate it so much. Thank thank you for having us. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.